Welcome into the Quick Draw Dynasty podcast. My name's Steve. I'll be hosting. I got some news on waivers, targets, and some maybe underrated offenses to start investing in a little bit. So first one is the Jacksonville wide receivers. I think that there's a lot of optimism there, and I think... That the new offensive coordinator, John Filippo, he's a pass-heavy guy, came from Minnesota. Uh, he, he's got his quarterback in Nick Foles. They were together when they were in Philadelphia and won the Super Bowl. I think that this is this has got to be an offense that people got to start looking at the wide receivers because there's talent there. They just haven't had the volume and the consistency to that people really know much what's going to happen. Uh, so basically, I'm, there's some dart throws that I'm willing to take on and... My first one is going to be DJ Shark. He was a second-round pick last year. And if you just even watch his highlights uh, at the Senior Bowl, there was two long touchdowns where he just he's tall and fast and nobody could cover him. Uh, you know, he's going to be in a wide-open offense. There's not a whole lot. There's nobody else quite like him with the, with the size and speed combo that he has. So I think that's going to give him an advantage. He's just kind of... It's it's to me it was kind of like DK Metcalf last year a little bit or the version of DK from this year to last year, he just he didn't get the hype that Metcalf did. Um, so he just he's got a year of development under there. He's a year two guy. Hopefully the owner is a little sour on him, being like, uh, he didn't really do much last year and ready to move on from him. I got him in my league for a third round pick. So just kind of know. That's kind of where I think his value is at right now, and if it's me, I'm willing to take a third-round pick and throw that at Chark right now just because he's got he's going to be in year two of development. He's got all the, all the ability in the world to do it. He just needs that right opportunity, and I think that he's, he's a big time. He could be a big play guy pretty quick. Um, the next one that I'm kind of thinking about in that offense is going to be Keelan Cole. Uh, Cole's my favorite of the group. Um, my next favorite in in the group, um, he really did a good job as a rookie and then just didn't quite get it going in year two. Uh, the Q- QB play was kind of less consistent. They didn't have Fournette for a lot of the year. Uh, but he made some spectacular plays, and he's just a big play waiting to happen. He, he makes those tough grades, and he's a great threat out of the slot. I think that's where he's going to fit best in this offense. Uh, I think Fall, uh, Foles will love him in the short game, and he'll be able to make big plays and big play ability after, like he did the first year. Um, he's probably a throw-in at this point. I don't think people are super high on him. Maybe like a fourth or fifth round pick would be able to jar him loose. Uh, I mean, that's just if we're taking dart throws here. I'd rather take Keelan Cole and a guy that we've seen do it in the NFL than a guy that's going to get drafted. That's probably a backup, and he's going to take time to develop. So just kind of know I, I'm pretty high on both of those guys right now. Uh, the wide receiver I think that is the most uh, has the most success this year is going to be D.D. Westbrook, but I think people are onto that already. Uh, his PFF metrics ranks the highest of the bunch at 70 receiving grade. Uh, he just he's a guy, he's fast, he's an average height, not super tall. Uh, he just is a guy that but I, I think everybody's on to him so I think his price is going to be a little higher than I'm willing to but if somebody else isn't as high on him you can pop him for a third or a fourth or a bench guy that's not really going to play for you you could do a lot worse on that side uh tight end I mean who who's the tight end in Jacksonville right now 
If we know one thing about Nick Foles is that he loves to throw to his tight ends, and maybe that's because he had Ertz, and Ertz was very good. I'm not going to disagree with that. But I think that there's basically nobody right now that's in that tight end room that anybody is talking about. I think the rookie Josh Oliver might have the best shot to be fantasy relevant sooner rather than later. He Oliver is in a very favorable favorable spot to see work, and maybe it won't be in week one or two, but by weeks nine and ten, he might be a guy that's lining up all the time. He could, I mean, if you look at the tight end position, it's basically a dart throw after the first five or six, anyways. So why not take a guy that has a quarterback that loves to throw to his tight ends? I mean, I know rookies are a little bit hard to get going, but I don't think that's the, the worst place to be at, especially if you're signing him after your draft or you're catching him for a fourth or fifth round or in your rookie drafts. Uh, just definitely a guy to know. I've talked about him a little bit before, but I really want to see kind of what this offense ends up looking like week one. Uh, the other thing I have a question about is Fournette. He's not really known as a pass catcher. It's not that he can't do it, but they've always had a guy to do that in that offense for him. So how does he fit in with kind of if they do more of a shotgun spread system than they have the traditional eye formation? Uh, he's only averaged 3.7 yards a carry over his career. So if we're t- looking at that, I mean, what are we going to expect from Fournette right now? I don't know that his value is high enough that you could trade him, but if you could get something big, maybe take a flyer and try to do that. I'm not a huge guy on Fournette this year as much as I was. I didn't understand. I didn't realize DeFilippo had gone there until recently, and I think that just really changes the dynamic there in Jacksonville. I mean, they have that defense that's going to get them the ball. I mean, they're going to have opportunities to score with pretty good field position. So, I mean, I, th- I think that the investment into that receiving core and maybe tight end room is definitely a good play right now, especially with low prices. Marquise Lee is another guy coming off an injury. He's got a ways to go. Uh, Chris Conley is another speedster there. He could end up being playing too. I mean, that's the hard part with this wide receiver group. It's you can pick any of these f- couple of four guys, and you just you're kind of hoping that they're the best ones there. So I'm kind of interesting to I'm interested to see how it all falls. Uh, the next one I want to do is the Kansas City wide receivers. There's a whole lot of offense there, and it's a good one to have any piece of. And right now, the with Tyreek Hill, we don't know. We just don't know. See, the longer it drags on, the more uncertainty. I mean, people are really, really kind of in the air. There's people buying him because they want to have him because they think he's going to play, and there's people selling him for basically nothing because they're like, well, I want to get something before he's out of the league. So it's kind of an interesting thing. You just have to see how the owner feels about it. Uh but if he does not play, there's a ton of yardage and a ton of targets up for grabs in that offense. My favorite first off is going to be Demarcus Robinson. He came on strong late last season with a TD in the last three games. Uh, he caught a touchdown in week two against Pittsburgh, but that was like very like a three-yard touchdown. It wasn't nobody really knew. It was just like, oh, it's a guy. Uh, so the volume wasn't quite there. He had four touchdowns on 22 receptions. I mean, I don't expect you can't extrapolate that out for a season, but he's dangerous once he's got the ball in his hands and he can show that. So there's 137 targets up for grabs with Hill, and there's a lot of opportunity for grabs, and maybe Robinson's that guy. He ran mid four, uh, mid four fours. He's from Florida. He's a, This will be his fourth year in the league, so he's been around, and I mean, I just see him being that guy because 
The next guy we'll talk about, Sammy Watkins. I just don't see Sammy Watkins playing 16 games at any point in his career. He's just, he hasn't done, he's done it once, I think, in his career now. And I, he's getting getting older. And I, if I'm looking for basically a free play, I'm going to pick up Demarcus Robinson right now because you know the two and three in that offense are still going to get plenty of work. But I think he's got the shot to be the go-to guy by year's end. Uh, Sammy Watkins is the next one. The price on him is going to be high. I mean, he's already a starter in that offense, and we've seen what he can do, and he was good when he played. It's just a matter of how much he plays. So if you have him, definitely hold him. If Unless you're getting a king's ransom, there's nothing wrong with shipping somebody off for getting value. But just everybody knows Sammy. Everybody knows what to expect from him when he's playing. The peop- I mean, all of us are just kind of questioning, like, well, at what point does he get hurt and how bad is it? So just kind of know that with Sammy if you're looking to pay for him at all. Uh, McCole Hardiman is the other hot name right now. He's going in the first round a lot of times of fantasy rookie drafts. I don't know that I want to pay that for him yet, but I mean, it's going to, it's going to be an investment. It's not a guy, if you draft him there, I'm not mad about it, but I don't think, I think you need to temper expectations year one. Just kind of understand he's not going to step right into the Tyreek Hill role. As much as people compare them and say they're the same player, I go there. Tyreek was on a different level and he's a fantastic player. I mean, Hardiman could get there, but I don't think coming out in year one, he's going to go for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. So just kind of temper expectations there. I think he'll have a role for sure, but I don't think that it's going to be quite as dominant as people are expecting right now. Um, He just switched from defensive back to wide receiver not that long ago, I believe. So he's still kind of young and learning as productive as he was at Georgia. So just kind of know that he's going to be more of a – he's going to be a project and you're going to have to hold him for two or three years before you really expect him to take the overall role in that offense. But definitely dangerous once he does. Another guy that it's really a deep dive, and I'm not going to go and say you need to pick him up now before anybody hears about him, but just hear me out. Byron Pringle was a guy that was an unsigned uh, UDFA out of Kansas State. He's a, he's a deep threat, and he's a guy that knows how to use his body and get open. Uh, if you kind of watch him at K-State, he just he looks a lot like a Tyler Lockett, same type of mold. Probably not quite as explosive, but he was able to do kick returns, punt returns, and he was dangerous there. So he's, he's good in open space. His 40 time wasn't blazing, but it was still mid-4-4s, and he's fast enough to get where he needs to be. Uh, nobody's... I, if if he's rostered in your league, they're probably a Chiefs fan, the only thing I could think of. But if I'm going to buy and hold a guy and maybe stash him through the preseason and maybe he ends up getting cut if nothing comes of it, but he's just a, a big-time dart throw that could end up surprised and maybe get a little bit more playing time with one injury in preseason that people just don't know about. And for basically free in the middle of May, I'll pick him up and hold on to him and just to see what happens at that point. But... He was impressive to me watching his games. I think that it's something that it wouldn't surprise me to see him get a little bit more involved um, this year than he was last year as a rookie. Um, So then we're going to go to Seattle here. Uh, There's a lot of receivers that are young and exciting there in Seattle, but there's one that stands out to me more than the others, and that's John Ursua. Uh, He played at Hawaii, so smaller school guy with a wide-open offense, but... This guy does a lot of damage, and he had 14, 16 touchdowns as receiving his last year, and he put up 1,343 yards. Just 
that's crazy. That's a lot, a lot of production for a guy that went in the seventh round. He's not the biggest guy. He's 5'10", 5'11", but you just watch him. He knows how to get open and sit in the middle of the zone. He, like, he just looks like the perfect slot guy in that offense to me. I mean, I've heard that Tyler Lockett might be the slot guy this year, which will be interesting to see if that's who really takes over for Doug Baldwin. Uh, the sexier names are the ones being that got drafted ahead of Ursua, but they did trade back into the seventh round for him. And if you watch him and watch his games, he's he's dominant. He stands out. He's a guy that belongs in the NFL. And I'm excited to see how they end up using him if he does any makes any hay in year one. But he's a guy I'm definitely targeting, trying to get on my roster to hold for a year or two just to see maybe he ends up being the next Doug Baldwin. And I think that's what we're all hoping for. Uh, he's tied to a good quarterback there in Seattle, which is always a good thing. Uh, Devontae Parker, I think he's still a thing. There's some believers out there like me. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit more quarterback dependent depending on who's going to play for them. If it ends up being Fitz, I could see him forcing the ball his way, and he could be very productive very early on. Um, I mean, it's, it's somebody that people are like, okay, you know, we've been through this before, and he's got hype every year, and it's like, okay, you know, what are we really paying? But it's like, if you can get him as a throw-in, or is you can jar loose Devontae Parker with a fourth or fifth round pick, you could do a lot worse. I mean, if there's just a bench guy that you don't really care and you just took over an orphan, you're like, oh, man, I really need some some form of a dart throw here. I go, you can do a lot worse. He's got size and speed, and he made plays when they threw to him last year. Just for whatever reason, Adam Gase doesn't like him. Adam Gase was like that, and it worries me with that Jets roster. So you get in his doghouse, you're just never going to get playing time for whatever reason. So just I think if – Fitz is the guy. I think Parker could really – he could end up being a top 36 type of wide receiver pretty quick. If it's Rosen, he might not be his favorite target, but I think there's still potential value there because I think Parker could be the most talented receiver on that roster. That's might be a little bit too much to say, but I don't see anybody else there that really scares me. Stills is a deep target, which is nice, but – there hasn't really ever been anybody else there that really scares you as much in his physicality and how he works. It just seems to me that he does pretty well. And his receiver rating uh, based off of PFF is uh, 68.2, which wasn't too bad. I mean, if you're taking dart throws, you can do a lot worse than that. Uh, so moving Buffalo here, <clears throat> John Brown is a guy that I think he's got a year or two of pretty good production here. I mean, nobody really wants a 29-year-old speedster, but, you know, Josh Allen has maybe the second best arm in the NFL, maybe next to Mahomes. Have, seeing them in a throwing contest would be something a lot of us would pay for because they're just both big arm guys that can throw the ball deep, and they need that guy that gets over the top and can catch it and bring it in. Uh, expect expect Brown, Brown to be that guy, and nobody's really thinking about it right now. They're like, uh, Buffalo, whatever. But Josh Allen can do a lot of things. We just had, we didn't see it all come together in year one, but definitely the later half of the year he produced. So just be ready for that. Uh, Bill's players for the most part are fairly cheap, and Brown is a guy I'd be willing to give up a third round pick for if you, especially if you're in a win now mode and you really need a fourth or fifth wide receiver option that you can play week in and week out. I think you could do a lot worse than John Brown. Uh, he's not maybe not the youngest guy, but he could be a guy that you could end up flipping midseason that people had no expectations on and ends up 
blowing them away with a bunch of big games. So just kind of know the value there and you make sure you get in at the right price, but you might be able to get out something a little extra that you than what you put in. Uh, Corey Coleman with the Giants is interesting to me. He's a first round pick by the Browns a couple years ago, and he's put up games. He's not done. He's put up games that he had 100 yards or one or two touchdowns in. So it's not that he doesn't belong in the NFL. So yeah, we just kind of got to the point with him where it just seemed like he couldn't do the little things. He definitely couldn't stay healthy. So that's kind of one thing. But he's on the end of somebody's bench, and they're just like, uh, I'm going to cut him anyways. So it's like you might be able to wait till the roster cutdowns to sign him. But you got to go around and look at that wide receiver room there in New York and what do they really have? They have a bunch of little slot receivers. They don't really have that guy that stretches the field with speed over the top. And I think that's a role that he could fit into. He might not be the most, he might be a, not be a volume guy, but could he be catch three balls for 80 yards and a touchdown every couple of weeks? I think that's a realistic thing. The guy had tons of touchdowns and catches it. Baylor. I mean, that was just the time that they were such a prolific, prolific offense. And he was exciting. Like I went back and watched those recently and I'm like, wow, this guy was good. And you're just trying to figure out like, well, he couldn't stick in Buffalo. What happened? And then he got went to the Patriots and I'm like, oh, I don't want him either. But the Giants seem a little bit more committed to him. And I think they see that potential there. And it's just about teaching him the smaller parts of the game. And I think that he could be a guy that could really he could bring something to your team. He could be that wide receiver four, wide receiver five, and if, if he doesn't do anything, guess what? You picked him up for nothing, you're probably going to drop him for nothing. It's just a buy and hold to see what happens with it. So that's, I think, an interesting name that I'm on this list, and I kind of didn't think about it until recently. But I like Corey Coleman, and I'll probably die on that hill that he'll succeed at some point in his career. Maybe it's not with the Giants, but he's got the talent. He just needs to stay healthy. So John Ross, everybody knows John Ross, set the world on fire with his 4-2-2 at the 40, uh, in the 40 at the Combine a couple years ago. He really hasn't produced, but he put up some touchdowns last year. So just he, on 21 catches from a year ago, seven went for a touchdown. So just 33%, nobody's catching him. That's all he needs to do. He doesn't need to be a volume guy. He just needs to be able to use his speed and get open enough that Andy Dalton or whoever's throwing passes there can get him the ball and I think they improve their offensive line they really want to be a force running the game and I really like him coming off a play action on the outside just going over the top and pulling the safeties I mean that's maybe the what the role he needs to play there but I see him moving to the outside starting opposite AJ Green and then he could kind of play he's not really the woods I mean if you're trying to do this for the new coach that came from uh, came from the Rams but just kind of know Ross was a top 10 draft pick in the NFL draft, and people are basically giving him away now. He's a dangerous guy. He was great in college. It wasn't that he doesn't have the talent. He's kind of been hurt and had some fumbling issues, and the coach wasn't putting up with it. But in year three is kind of the guy those guys the, the year those guys make jumps. So don't be surprised if John Ross comes out and starts lighting the world on fire here pretty quick. So that's another guy I'm willing to die on that hill with is he's going to produce. It's just a matter of when. Say people, people are kind of on to Robbie Anderson here. Um, he's not the sexiest name, but he's 6'4", and man, can he run. And they've, they've got a quarterback now in Darnold. They made last year, weeks 14 through 16, he had at least 76 yards and a touchdown in every single game. 
that's pretty good. And that's kind of when Darnold started kind of the game slowed down and he was able to kind of learn and understand where he needed to be with the ball and what, what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. I see him growing on that in year two. It'll be a little bit different system, but Robbie's a guy that I think he's the best wide receiver on this team. And I think that they need him to be that field stretcher, but I don't. I think five catches a game is a good amount for him. And he's never really had injury issues. He's had some person, personal and off-the-field issues. So, I mean, just I wouldn't pay a ton for him, but if you could get him for peanuts right now, check in on that Robbie, Robbie Anderson owner, and I think you got a wide receiver three if you can acquire him somehow. So he's a guy that definitely people need to know about and – nobody really notices it until they start looking at stats going uh, this guy this guy belongs so really like really like Anderson this year as well Albert Wilson is another dolphin um I know we talked about Devonte Parker earlier but hear me out we have another staff coming from the New England Patriots taking it to Miami and I think it's interesting if you kind of try to extrapolate. It's like, okay, well, which wide receivers are usually the best in those offenses? I want the slot guy because he's going to get almost 100 catches and a handful of touchdowns every year. And that weekly floor with the amount of catches and the targets they're going to get is is there. Wilson's a guy. He's very athletic. He can get open. It's just a matter of him staying healthy and being able to be on the field. Uh, I think if Rosen's the quarterback there, I think he, Wilson's more the guy than Devontae Parker. And I think it's going to be – nobody really knows anything in Miami because there's not a whole lot of history to go on with these guys. Are they going to throw the ball? Are they going to run the ball? Are they just going to dump it to the running backs the whole game? I mean, what what does it look like? And I think that was – it was a good move for them to get Rosen because they got him at a, quite a bargain from what he was a year ago as a first-round pick and getting up a late second for him. I thought it was a great move by Miami to do that. So I I like the way they're looking already. But just Wilson's kind of that guy that mm, kind of people forget about him. He was pretty good in Kansas City when he was there, and then he went to Miami, and I think he was hurt. So just know that there's value there. But he's a guy to keep your eye on for the offseason that people are going to know about. Um, Jamon Moore is kind of a deeper guy for me. He's a wide receiver out of Missouri that got drafted by Green Bay uh, last year and didn't really make any noise at all. And I kind of had to look up who he was at first, and then I kind of went and watched his Missouri tape, and he was electric. He was a guy that you get out on a screen into an open field, and he's going to take it to the house on you because that's just how how good he is. And looking around in that receiver room, they have a it's a lot like Jacksonville. It's like... So they got Devontae Parker, they got Devontae Adams. Who's the next guy up? Nobody really knows. You're just throwing darts at a board and hopefully it works. I mean, I like more. I like St. Brown as well there. I think those are both guys that are pretty much free at this point that I'm willing to take a chance on and stash. I mean, St. Brown is a guy that's 6'5". I mean, they, they don't really have that red zone target. So it'll be really interesting to kind of see how they work down there. Well, I, I lied. They have Devontae Adams. He's the red zone target. But on the other side of him, if he's doubled, then St. Brown could be that guy too. Or if he goes down with an injury, maybe St. Brown steps into his spot pretty quick. So just kind of know that these wide receivers, when they get tied to a good quarterback, all it takes is an injury, and then you're sitting there with a lot of value in a guy. And it's like I'd rather take a flyer on a guy like that than somebody in, say, the Broncos offense 
or the Dallas offense, um, any passing game that's not really very strong. Like I would much rather have these guys and kind of you know, never hope for an injury, but if there would injury would be to happen, they would be the next guy up, kind of like the way you handcuff a running back. I think that's a decent way to look at the value here, and uh, I, it's a good way to be. So that's kind of my wide receiver ads right now. Um, definitely guys to keep your eye on. list is growing. I mean, once we get into summer camps and everything, there'll be a lot more, but I think that's a pretty good starting place for guy a team if you're taking over a rebuild and looking to make a move here or there. I mean, you could do a lot worse, I and mean, there's just some things to think about when you're trying to build this roster uh, that what's value and what are you trying to build towards? Are you looking to win this year? Or are you looking to maybe win in a year or two? So if you're giving away receivers, you're trying to sell receivers for draft picks, maybe get these guys just as a throw in just to see if they can do something. Cause you're going to have that open roster spot after you get rid of that guy anyways. So um, that's kind of what I have on that. And I think that those are some names out there just to, for things to think about. All right, part two here. Uh, I kind of just wanted to talk about what team building kind of goes into it. I think it's a big part of fantasy uh, dynasty that nobody really talks about enough. People talk about it, just not enough. Uh, Just understand, like any league, you need to understand your scoring and how it works. In Superflex, quarterbacks, there's not going to be any quarterbacks on waivers, so you got to make sure you have at least – I'd like to have three – that way, when somebody's on a bye, you can still put a quarterback in the super flex just because they are generally going to score more points than anybody else on a given week. Uh, so, But at that point, it's like, do you need to have two elite quarterbacks to make up shortfalls of the other parts of your roster? Or do you think about maybe trying to trade one of them and trying to get a lesser quarterback but an upgrade on one of your other positions too? Uh, so just kind of something to think about there. I came into a league and I had Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger and I'm probably not ready to compete this year. So I sold Rodgers off for three firsts and I got Lamar Jackson and a couple other guys for Big Ben, which I thought was a f- offered to me and I would, I like the move. Um, and then you have to know that at six point passing touchdowns, it's a big thing. And if a four point, the, the difference isn't quite there as much, but understand that running quarterbacks have a little bit more pull in a league like that. Uh, the floor that the running gives them helps them uh, gain more points each week. And a four-point passing touchdown league, if you have a guy like Cam Newton, that's going to get the goal line carries for the team and get six to eight rushing touchdowns a year. That's extra 12 to 16 points that he's scoring on average a year. Uh, so just kind of how I am with quarterbacks. I don't really care to have the best guy, but I don't want to have all the worst guys at the same point. But um Another one is the tight end premiums becoming popular. Uh, so if you're going to try to, if you get an amazing tight end, I just think that that's such a boost to the rest of your roster because it's going to make up for something. And a lot of times you're getting a, you're getting a guy like George Kittle for free because nobody knew about him and you're taking him late in a draft and all of a sudden he hits and it's just, it's just such an upgrade because they, there's just not enough of them right now. Um, but this year, I think in the draft, there's two. If I can get Hawkinson or I can get Noah Fant, like I want those guys, and I don't mind taking them in the first round because I think down the road they're going to be such an advantage for your your roster, and I think they have such a safe floor because you know they're going to get used. There's just not enough tight ends around that catch the ball well that people in fantasy are like, oh, 
I'm just going to punt the position. So if if you're a person that wants to punt tight end in Dynasty, you can, and you, you're just kind of playing a dart throw every week. But if it's me, I want to get that guy that gives me that weekly advantage over a team and hopefully um, gives me a few extra points just to try to eke out a win here or there that somebody else might not have that advantage of. Um, so basically, fantasy rosters are built with wide receivers and running backs, and that's just how the game is played. Uh, you kind of have to know how you value them each and how what you have an eye for. Uh, personally, I have a little bit more of an eye for wide receivers. I seem to be able to add two and two together with them when talent meets opportunity. I'm just usually a year or two ahead of them. Uh, I had Antonio Brown the year before he broke out, and I was like, oh, man, nobody's drafting this guy, and it's the 10th round in a redraft league. And and then I traded him, I think I traded him away for like nothing because he didn't do anything that year. But next year is like, oh, uh, who is this guy? And then it's like, well, I had him last year. He didn't do anything. So it's just I'm kind of a year ahead on guys like that. Um, so I'm, that's kind of how I build my rosters. I usually end up being wide receiver heavy because I, I'm better at that. Uh, and I, I look at running backs. It's They just kind of have a point to me where the depth chart's pretty telling. If a guy goes down, you know that that handcuff is going to be there, and he's going to step right in where wide receivers, it's somebody doesn't really just step in for a wide receiver and take over his spot completely. So I usually spend a little bit more on wide receivers just for that reason. Uh, I think if you're drafting rookies, I think it's a lot easier to look at somebody and say, oh, they fell into this great situation where they're going to be the every down guy. He's definitely going to have more value. Uh, The way the NFL is kind of moving to having two or three backs in a backfield that kind of all split the roles. I mean, finding that guy that's going to be your three down opportunity is just a, it's a big deal. Uh, I mean, you kind of look at the Steelers, and they always use the one running back for the most part, and he's productive, and he does things well, and they have a good O-line. I mean, the other thing you're looking at for wide receivers and sometimes quarterback, or for running backs and sometimes quarterbacks is just how good their offensive line is and how much time they have to throw. I mean, that doesn't really affect a receiver necessarily very much. So receivers are a little bit more kind of, I think they're, they're I'm trying to think of the right word here. Um just harder to predict generally it's nice when you get that guy that goes off but then you sometimes get the julio jones that doesn't have a touchdown catch until week 10 last year whatever week it was i mean there's just things that are unpredictable but that's the fun part of fantasy football is there's unpredictable things um so just kind of understand how you want to try to create your roster what kind of guys you like um if you get into the scouting thing like it's fun or you'd listen to people that like to scout and i'd I've started YouTube's a great thing. Anything you want to find, you just type in the name versus and games will come up with whatever you want. And you can go, oh, okay. So this is what they're seeing with this guy. That's what they're seeing with that guy. Just understand that the Kuipers and everybody and the draft coverage of the ESPN world and NFL Network are just about as good as me and you at trying to figure out which which of these guys are going to be really good. I say that loosely because they do hit, but... There's a lot of times where Kuiper and McShay are off and it just, they're they're there to entertain and get ratings. That's their job. But I mean, I think if you're playing fantasy football, you probably enjoy watching fantasy football or watching real life football. So there's nothing wrong with trying to watch and say, yeah, you know, that guy's pretty good. What else is, what else is he about? You don't have to scout your whole life, but it's fun to turn on a video and be like, okay, I can see what that guy's looking at now. Um, another big part of fantasy football is understanding trading and what kind of trader you are. I know 
a lot of times in the redrafts that I've done, people don't like to trade because they're so afraid to lose. Where in Dynasty, it's like, well, some people are probably like that where they just don't trade. But maybe it's a lot of times it seems like the good teams are less willing to trade because they don't have a need to trade where the middle and lower guys are all fighting around trading, trying to get the guys they need and they want, try to fill out the roster to take those bigger guys down. So just kind of understand that in your league. Um, be careful with valuing youth too much. I mean, it's nice to have a bunch of young talent that's going to develop and get better and carry youth on throughout the years and you keep adding strength to it. But there's a point where you don't need a bunch of unproductive 23-year-olds sitting on your bench and nobody's producing and you're just having a terrible team. So there's kind of a point there where you don't want all rookies and you want to, but you don't want to have a bunch of aging vets where if they just decide to retire, then you're toast or you're holding on to guys too long and their value just diminishes to the point where you can't get anything for them anymore. So, I mean, I think I'm kind of to the point where I like to keep a guy a running back for three, maybe four years and then try to sell them off before they start their decline because a 30-year-old running back just isn't worth very much in fantasy football, unfortunately. Um, just And another thing to kind of understand are trends. If you understand why the Patriots are so good all the time, it's because they seem to go a different direction than everybody else all the time. And when you're built well and you don't have a glaring hole in your roster somewhere, you just end up drafting the best player available all the time. And I think that's just such an advantage to have. Just kind of know that. If you stick with the BPA model and you don't really reach, I mean, you make your own rankings and people can decide to reach on that. But if you're at the seventh pick, you the top six guys on your board are taken, you just take the seventh no matter what your need is. And I think that's a good way to go. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with making your rankings your rankings. You don't have to just follow somebody else's rankings because, oh, I really like that person. Or I mean, nobody's ever 100% right. So when you're drafting and making your team, just make it yours. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks. If you don't ever win, then I guess that's part of the game, but part of it is just fun, and being your own general manager is why we play fantasy football. I mean, that's it's fun, and so do things the way you want to do it, but understand how you want to do it and understand how somebody else wants to do it in your league so that if you know they're a bad trader and they always get beat on trades, you're probably targeting them a lot. And I'm not going to say that I'm not that guy that – ends up giving up too much sometimes but I'm making it my own team and that's how I want to win and that's how I want to lose so I think that's just kind of a little bit of a fun thing that most people probably know and understand but if you're kind of new to dynasty like I am that's kind of the things that I've learned here in the first month month and a half of being in dynasty of just understanding where the value's at and how other people see things too but um I'm hoping that you guys enjoyed this episode of Quick Draw Dynasty, shooting from the hip, coming at you. Uh, we'll be back next week. Have a good week.